0: This is Classic Business with Michael Avery on Classic 1027 in Gauteng and Fine Music Radio in Cape Town. In our view from the C-suite this evening, our guest is Chris Griffiths, CEO of Anglo-American Platinum. Chris, good evening.
1: Hi, good evening, Chris.
0: Chris, you're a mining man through and through. Prior to taking over as CEO of Anglo Plat, you had a very successful tenure as CEO of Kumba Iron Ore. You obviously love the mining industry. So what catalyzed your interest in this tough, gritty industry? Take us back to your earliest days. Did you always want to be an engineer a mining man when you were a child?
1: So I always wanted to be an engineer, but uh, I certainly hadn't uh, thought that I wanted to be a mining engineer. And uh, and it's uh, my parents or you know nobody else in our family had anything to do with mining. And it was really in the Army when uh, when we were doing our national uh, service. Uh, I was uh, straight out of school sent to the School of Engineers. And there was a whole range of engineers, and there were civil and mechanical and all sorts of things, and there were also mining engineers. And at that time, it seemed to be a growing industry in South Africa, and it seemed to offer good prospects. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go study mining engineering. So it was nothing more complex than that. And then uh, at the same time, I was offered a running bursary at University of Pretoria, so I ended up studying mining engineering at the University of Pretoria.
0: Okay, and then after university, um, you know, tr- trying to find out an awful lot about you on the on the internet is not that easy. It looks like you, you started off in around about nineteen ninety sometime, if I'm correct.
1: I started working on the first of the decade when we still started working on the first of January. So I started working in the first of uh, the first of January, nineteen ninety. Initially, I had a goldfields bursar. I was a goldfields bursar. I had a bursary from goldfields, and uh, and when I wanted to study an honours, uh, goldfields said no, and JCI said yes, and so I switched. Uh, I switched to, to JCI, and uh, and after I'd studied my honours, I was sent to the poor cousins of uh, of the day, which was uh, platinum, and uh, I did a little bit of work at Randfontein Estates, and then I was to a poor. Cousins of the platinum industry, which which was uh, or poor cousins of the mining industry, which was platinum, and that's how I ended up in platinum. And then pretty soon after that, Anglo American were buying up uh, the and increasing their stake in JCI. And at a certain point in time, they split the JCI business so gold, uh, property and platinum. Uh, it was split out, and I went to the platinum division, and that's how I ended up eventually in M platinum in anglo american platinum and uh you know and thirty years later that's um, that's where I am
0: interesting you refer to platinum as being the poor cousins the poor relations uh, I suppose in those days gold was very much the 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 flavor of the month
1: now I think gold was much much stronger in South Africa in those days, and those uh, and platinum. Uh, whilst it was growing and whilst uh, JCI had a very strong foothold in platinum, it very, was, uh, very much was a much smaller business than the gold business of the day.
0: Yeah. Um, your time at Anglo-American, you're know, reading through the articles that have been written about you. I get the impression that you've always found Anglo to be a very supportive place. Tell us more about your experiences in the, in the greater Anglo group.
1: You know you you think to yourself how can someone work for a business for 30 years and uh, and still find it immensely challenging to come to work and why would you want to get up at you know um every morning to work uh, in an extremely challenging environment where uh, and the answer is that i 've given fantastic opportunities in anglo american i 've had lots and lots of different jobs in the company i 've been able to grow i've been able to grow and bring my own personality to the to the company so uh although um, in the early days anglo platinum was uh, was was quite separate from anglo american it was still a great opportunity to grow I was given incredible uh, opportunities. So I was given amazing challenges, and it was just a it was a, a fantastic place to grow one's career. But the other thing I absolutely loved about being associated with Anglo American was the way that they treated people and the way they thought about um, life more than just the company. So society and the way society featured in the way Anglo American did business always resonated with me. And uh, and whilst through my career I've been offered many many uh, uh, offers from, from different companies. I've just loved working for the group because of the opportunities it's presented, the ability for me to make a difference in a company making a difference, and just the whole ethos of Anglo-American and the way they thought about um, about society in addition to the company. I was just a great, a great resonance with my own personal values.
0: Okay, well, just dialing back a little bit then to exactly one of those challenges. There you are, uh, Kumba Iron Ore, two thousand and eight, CEO of, of the company. Now that's a very, very different prospect to anything involved with platinum, predominantly. Uh, and when it comes to iron ore, we're talking about um, we're not talking about deep level mining. Uh, you're talking mainly, I suppose, open cost. Um, how did you manage to, to make that kind of change?
1: As a mining engineer, Chris, that wasn't too difficult. I mean, there was a, a little bit different to mining, uh, being you know quite different to the underground at uh, at Platinum. Um, but um, you know, I'd been already running uh, all the joint ventures for Anglo uh, Platinum at the time, so I had quite a wide variety of experience in the mining industry. I was asked then to become the CEO of Kumba, uh, of Iron Ore, so the commodity was was very different. But again, I think that was the the benefit of being associated with anglo american there were you know, there were new opportunities coming up uh, you know frequently and and I was given an opportunity like that not only i think to help the company but also to grow my own personal career so I went to kumba didn 't know all the answers and i I learned a lot from the kumba team, um, but at the same time it was uh, we went through some really interesting times at kumba it was the height of the uh, of the iron ore boom in 2008 and then came the global financial crisis and uh, and we went from $200 a ton to $60 a ton. Um, We had, um, you know, some very, very big challenges with government, uh, both the government of Senegal plus our own government with, you know, all sorts of interesting things called ICT and we had to take government to court. You know, there was a lot of um, really good challenges uh, in that time. I think we, by following the ethics of the company and our own personal personal ethics, I think we saved the company a lot of money. we did some really good things that were right for corporate south Africa so I think you know the, the answer to your, your question, Chris, is I was given great opportunities and uh, and the great thing is you didn 't have to know all the answers to be to be given some of those opportunities. I think something that we still try practice to this day is to is to try and uh, and you know let You know, put people into into great opportunities. The water may seem a bit deep at the time, but there was great opportunities to grow and to contribute.
0: Excellent. I can remember well those presentations you and Vince Uren used to give at, at Summer Place, and they were always extremely well attended because they were wonderful presentations. Um, so here you are in 2012, promoted to CEO of Anglo Platz, the world's largest platinum producer and sitting on the biggest reserves of platinum in the world. But hey, it's in trouble, a mountain of debt, some mines that frankly aren't fit for purpose, an oversupply of platinum, and overall an operation that needs to be streamlined. You must have felt like this was some sort of hospital pass.
1: Well, I remember my wife at the time saying to me when, when Cynthia offered me this role to come to Platz. Uh, I was very aware of the challenges in the in the PGM business, and my wife said to me, "Why would you do that?" Um, but I just felt that number one, I could make a contribution. I thought that um, both for the for the PGM industry and for and for Anglo Platinum, um, there, there really was a big a big hole to to climb out of, and I thought I could uh, together with the uh, with the Anglo Platinum team and the Anglo American team. I thought I, I could make a difference. I certainly didn't have all the answers, and for the next uh, four or five years, I I wondered frequently what I had done. But uh, but we always had a plan. Um, you know, it was very very difficult. This this the, the PGM industry, after after having some really good cycles in 2008 to 2012 that really showed the structural changes to PGM demand. And so actually the industry was very different, and uh, we as miners had kept on producing as if the industry was the same. Half the industry was loss-making. You mentioned that you know, every company had a mountain of debt. It didn't look like there were solutions. Um, just after I took over the business, you'll recall, there was the, the Americana massacre. Right. There was the longest strike in the PGM history uh, of five months. There really was some big challenges. We needed to retrench fifteen thousand people in the in the company. We needed to shut down mines that were loss making. We needed to fix other mines that were loss making, um, and you know we did the restructuring first, uh, in two thousand and thirteen and fourteen, and then we announced the repositioning of the company, and we took um, the company from nineteen mines down to six mines. And that all had to be done, in, uh, and we did that in 2015 and 16. We improved the, the productivity of the company immensely, um, and such that uh, with 15,000, well, eventually it was 20,000 less people, and uh, we, we produced the same amount of ounces uh, as we did uh, way back in 2012. And that was after us having cut uh, about eight hundred thousand PGM ounces, so you know we, we really did have um, a, a very large hill to climb the debt uh, after the debt had peaked in two thousand and eleven at almost fifteen billion. the company was recapitalized the debt was almost at fifteen billion again at the end of two thousand and fourteen so this company was rapidly going out of business uh, and then systematically since then in much tougher pricing environments than we have today. We were able to reduce debt every year, uh, improve the productivity, improve the safety, um, and do some really amazing things with the company.
0: And you mentioned the the most recent results. I mean, here we are, uh, earnings more than doubled, um, great performances from palladium and rhodium, and and, and a weaker rand help, obviously. But you're under no illusions. Things can change very radically. So how do you contain expectations at this point in time, notably amongst the workforce?
1: yes yeah, so that, that is right i mean we 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 are in wage negotiations as you speak uh, one of the things that uh, that we are continually reminding the unions is you know finally the company is generating and the industry i think is generating cash so that the industry can reinvest cash in its operations and ultimately that's actually in the long term interests of the country of the company and of uh, employees so that we've got a long-term, stable uh, industry. So that's the first place that we need to make sure that actually the money that we are generating, that's a good thing. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden that uh, that we should throw that money away or be reckless with that money or embed huge additional costs that just keep coming through every single year. So I think the way for us to manage, uh you correctly say, that prices go up, they can also come down and frequently do. Um, we have set our business up to be profitable in a much, much tighter pricing environment. And uh, and as a result of that, I think we, we have the discipline around costs and capital um, to be able to manage through pretty much any cycle. But the cash that we're generating now and the position that we've got the PGM industry into means that we can start thinking about growth again and we can start making sure that this long-term investment into our existing operations. So I think that's a way to think about the long-term business and then at the same time, uh, you know, in discussions with unions, say, well, how do they benefit, um, for example, through the the employee share ownership payments and those sort of things? How can employees benefit at the same time as the company uh, in good times? Because, uh, you know, as they rightly point out, they do take a lot of pain alongside with all other stakeholders uh, in the tough times.
0: And then very briefly, because we're coming to the end of this, uh, the, the, this wonderful uh, insight into Chris Griffiths, for relaxation, you seem to be an avid fan of the bush, so much so that you got up close and personal with a buffalo some years ago and ended up with <laughs> life-threatening injuries. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, I am a I am a keen birder myself and my wife uh, spend a lot of time in the bush and uh, we we just had a, a really unfortunate incident in the bush uh, just over two years ago when in a camp um, at night we were walking to dinner and we surprised a buffalo and uh, and when you come up close and personal with a buffalo uh, I came off sick and best as you can imagine <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: with uh, with one ton of buffalo you know running all over me so I was I was very badly hurt. But I was, my life was saved by two very brave Tanzanian uh, uh, Ascaris. So you know, I I spent five months in a wheelchair, but I I'm here to tell the tale. And uh, and we still go back to the bush. We 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 love nature, and um, you know I think that that love of nature and that uh, also comes through in the way that we mine. You know, so I think there's a new breed of of leaders in the mining industry that are you know really. Uh, interested about uh, and and care personally about safety, about health, and about the environment. So, yeah, I love the bush. I love the environment. And uh, and hopefully I bring some of that love of the environment to the way that we conduct our business um, so that, you know, that kind of environment is around for our children and our children's children. Also, the wonderful thing, I'm going to sneak in a, a little selling story, but one of the amazing things about um, the metals that we mine, the PGMs, are such amazing metals that form part of the solution to many of the world's problems. And and again, it, it's just it's so amazing, not only to be coming to work and to be making a big difference, but in the case of us mining platinum group metals, they, they just solve so many climate change problems, energy storage problems, coming up with solutions for decarbonized transport. You know, so it's, it's great to feel that there's a greater purpose to one's work as well. And so, yeah, I am passionate about the bush. I'm passionate about the environment. And, uh, and I'm also passionate about, um, about the metals we mine because of the contribution they can make.
0: Chris Griffiths, many, many thanks for giving us a fascinating insight into the man behind the platinum. That was Chris Griffiths, CEO of Anglo Platinum Group.